Coming up on Stu Does America, is New York really dead? Jerry Seinfeld says it's not. We talked to a New York resident and Blaze TV legend about what it's like to try to live in an increasingly anti-capitalist New York City. And Kamala Harris took a call from someone pretending to be Greta Thunberg. However, we don't have an explanation as to why you would accept a call from someone claiming to be Greta Thunberg. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Five stars is the appropriate numbers of stars. Uh, we really appreciate you sharing the show with someone who appreciates jokes about Greta Thunberg. And if you're on YouTube, subscribe or click the bell for notifications. You can click like before you forget or I say something that pisses you off, which does happen often. And I don't think I need to tell you that we need the conservative media more than ever before. Become a supporter at blazetv.com slash stew. Make sure to use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. Okay, ask yourself this. Are you a racist? you said no, then you're not listening closely enough to the subject of tonight's monologue. It's time to do Jamel Hill. Stu does America. If you don't know who Jamel Hill is, you live in a world that I am envious of. Hill used to host a version of SportsCenter on ESPN. It was sort of a remix of the network's flagship show, except uh, instead of describing highlights of sporting events, they explained why sports were racist. Sometimes they would also interview athletes about why those athletes agreed that sports were racist. Here's a clip from the show. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist. So Jamel Hill was promoted inside uh, of ESPN by a guy who later would be forced to resign because of cocaine use, which explains a lot. Eventually, ESPN realized that she was horrible and attempted to hide her at a website called The Undefeated. It's a website that exists entirely to tell you that sports are racist. If the 1619 Project was a newspaper, The Undefeated would be its sports section. So Jamel Hill was a pretty natural fit at The Undefeated, where they have one simple slogan. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist. White supremacist extreme. Hill lasted, oh, a few full months at The Undefeated before moving to The Atlantic, a much better fit for her where she is free to call all sorts of things racist instead of just sports. This weekend, she tweeted this mini book review that caused some controversy. Quote, been reading Isabel Wilkerson's new book, Cast. And if you were of the opinion that the United States wasn't nearly as bad as Nazi Germany, <laughs> how wrong you are. Can't encourage you enough to read this masterpiece. Well, I'm going to go on Amazon right now. I've been so overwhelmed lately by every other medium calling our country Nazis. It's great to finally get a book about it. By the way, did I mention that Richard Spencer endorsed Joe Biden? It's just totally separate news. Just wanted to let you know. The Nazi comparison was a little surprising coming from Jamel Hill. She, uh, you know, was previously suspended for making a comment about Adolf Hitler in 2008. This is a comment that she was still apologizing for in the Atlantic as recently as last month. Here's how she tells the story about how she covered a Lakers Celtics series. Quote, heading to into game five, I wrote a piece about how it saddened me as a lifelong Detroit Pistons fan 
to see that the Celtics were no longer widely hated as they once had been. Trying to be funny and whimsical, I ended up writing, rooting for the Celtics is like saying Hitler was a victim. More than a decade later, I still cringe when I think about it. Not only had I severely insulted the Celtics fan base, but I had made a joke about the Nazi leader who orchestrated the murder of six million Jewish people. I was, of course, aware of the Holocaust, but I had given little thought to the feelings of the Jewish community because, frankly, it wasn't my own. Wow. I mean, she was aware of the Holocaust, but had given little thought to the Jewish community. Revealing. Anywho, she was suspended for that little remark and is still, in her words, mortified over it. Four weeks later, she's calling America a Nazi state. It's called personal growth, people. Learn about it. The truth is, obviously, that calling America a bunch of Nazis is far more offensive and problematic than joking that a sports franchise is evil. She's apologizing for the wrong comment. In fact, it would not be offensive at all or incorrect to compare the Nazi regime and the Dallas Cowboys for obvious reasons. And it would not be at all offensive to compare LeBron James to Hitler. Those are good comparisons. American uh, culture and Nazi Germany is a bad comparison. That's the difference. And I realize it's uh, unfortunate to bring LeBron James into a conversation about anti-Semitism, considering he used his social media to share the lyric, we've been getting that Jewish money, everything is kosher. But don't worry, everyone. LeBron had a great explanation. Quote, I actually thought it was a compliment. End quote. Ah, right. The life of LeBron. You see, when he's calling everything racist, he's basically a professor breaking down the nuance of racial relations. And we must listen to his intellectual authority. But when he uses an anti-Semitic trope or talks about abandoning the people of Hong Kong for cash payments from the Chinese Communist Party, oh, then it's okay to excuse him as he didn't know better. Everybody understand those rules? We got that now? Okay, good. So back to Jamel Hill. If you think this book she's recommending is some outlandish theory by some fringe race theorist, well, you're wrong. Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents, is about as highly praised a book as you will ever see. Let me give you just a piece of the glowing review in the New York Times. Quote, I recently came upon William Kennedy's review of 100 Years of Solitude, which he called the first piece of literature since the book of Genesis that should be required reading for the entire human race. Kennedy wasn't far off. I had these thoughts while reading Isabel Wilkerson's new book, Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents. Got it? Like They are literally comparing this book to the Bible. Apparently, associating the United States with Nazi Germany is the formula for a real page-turner. The Times goes on, it's an extraordinary document, one that strikes me as an instant American classic, and almost certainly the keynote nonfiction book of the American century thus far. It made the back of my neck prickle from its first pages, and that feeling never went away. I told more than one person as I moved through the days this past week that I was reading one of the most powerful nonfiction books I'd ever encountered. Ugh. My eyes don't roll enough 
to achieve the appropriate amount of eye roll. To give you a quick taste of what is actually in the book, consider this excerpt from the review. Remember, this was highlighted in a book they were trying to praise. They are trying to answer the question of why middle class and poor white people vote for conservative policies, and in particular, Donald Trump. Liberals will often say, uh, why don't they vote for their economic interests? In other words, why don't poor white people vote to get more free stuff? As the book explains, they are voting for their interests. It's just that racism is more important than material things to whites. Quote, maintaining the caste system as it has always been was in their interest. And some were willing to accept short term discomfort, forego health insurance, risk contamination of the water and air and even die to protect their long term interest in the hierarchy as they had known it. Yes, the New York Times and Jamel Hill are praising a book that claims middle class white people would rather die than give black people a fair shake. It's a disgusting slur of people living in the flyover states that Joe Biden supposedly performs so well in. And that's the truth here. On Twitter, people mocked Hill for comparing the Nazi party and our founders. They acted as if it was some outlandish fringe theory that she was praising. But it's not the fringe. This is a mainstream opinion of democratic power and leadership. Jamel Hill is just dumb enough to say the quiet part out loud. If they were being honest, at least three quarters of the people that took the stage last week at the convention would endorse these same sentiments. I'm not saying that they think you're a Nazi. They think you're worse. They think you would die to keep the Nazi party in power. Now, it's up to you whether you decide to endorse that thinking with your vote. Depending on where you live right now, you might not be allowed out of your home to go look at a home if you wanted to move to a new home. Trying to buy real estate right now in the middle of this nonsense is, I mean, it's just impossible. That's why you need a really good real estate agent who's going to come in and take charge. Uh, if you need the house painted, he, uh, you know, who do you, here's who you talk to. You need to replace the stairs, we got a guy. Roof repair, no sweat. Need someone to come in with a fully, con- you, know, uh, you know, constricted bubble so you don't get any COVID? I, I don't know, maybe the real estate agents I trust can deal with that as well. Realestateagentsitrust.com is Glenn's company. You can rest assured that they've, he's put some effort in to make sure that the right people are on this site that have been vetted uh, by a great team of professionals that understand how to make a transaction work with, uh, with you uh, for really your biggest financial transaction you'll ever have to deal with. The name says it all, realestateagentsitrust.com. Get more information, make sure you get the best. Realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. I am legitimately thrilled to welcome back to the program for the first time one half of the very funny podcast, Questionable Material with Jack and Brian, a native New Yorker and Blaze TV legend, Brian Sack. Hi, Stu. (laughs) How are you, Brian? It's great to see you, my man. Good to see you. Nice to talk to you. Yeah. How have you been surviving this new era we live in? Uh, I've been, uh, you know, playing it safe, uh, wearing my mask. Took a lot of vitamins in the, at the outset in March. We gave up on that. <laughs> um, vitamins can be a lot of for food. other reasons, you know. I mean, it's possible. 
<laughs> got a, I've got a, my wife keeps collecting toilet paper and she was scarred. She, yeah. Toilet paper and uh, paper towels. Oh, yes. We have, a, have an actual fort of paper towels in our garage yeah. that will never get, it will never be shorter than the house any point in the future. Right. Mm-hmm. That's It'll be the, on eBay in a couple of years. Yeah, <laughs> it's very true. Uh, Brian, you had a, a great, um, I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to go to you for investment advice, first of all, after reading uh, your story. Uh, you, uh-huh. you wrote a story on Medium, which is fantastic. It's called My Investment's Brilliant Plan to Virtue Signal Itself Out of Business. It's really, really funny and uh, an amazing story, I think, about this new world we live in. Can you kind of walk us through how, how this all started? Yeah, I was uh, I was looking for some kind of an investment, you know, just different than the stock market, things like that. And I found a, there's a company called NextSeed hmm. that will connect you with people looking for investments. And I found um, this bar in Brooklyn that I thought sounded good. It had a nice concept. The, the people behind it looked pretty solid. Uh, it was going to be a wine bar with tastings and tapas. And so I put some money into it, which I, you know, for about four years. It's a four-year commitment. Mm-hmm. And we're halfway in, <laughs> and they got kind of crazy. <laughs> they got a little little woke, a little, little too woke. Yeah, because, I mean, it seemed like it was going well for a while, right? And, and, yeah. and this is all of New York. Of course, everyone's dealing with this economy right now. So you go through right. economic times. You probably expect to hear that they're, they're going through a rough patch. What did you hear? Well, I, I got to, you know, I, I knew they shut down for COVID. I knew it was going to be tough, and they had to go fund me to raise money for their uh, staff, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then there was a, there was an email that went out said it was radical uh, times call for radical changes. So in my mind, that's like okay, they've adapted the menu, or they're <laughs> going to carry not just California wines; they're going to do whatever it takes right. to survive this. But uh, what? Uh, two sentences in, and it said we're we're going to be taking a more anti-capitalist approach to business. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, that's that's not a thing. An anti-capitalist approach to business is not a thing. Marxists are never good at business. I think we should have learned that many, many times over, but it, it never seems to stick. So that was just the beginning of the of the email. And then uh, they went on to tell uh, how they're going to abolish tipping because tipping is racist and anti-worker. Okay. Is it now? And hmm. uh, uh, yeah, well, apparently in this uh universe that they live in. And, uh, and then it just kind of went, oh, let's see, they went, they um, moved on to, uh, oh, tipping was about also it, it, it caused harassment. And <laughs> yeah, uh, this it's, is, it's unfair. I mean, I worked at restaurants and I was tipped very poorly because I was a terrible waiter. Um, and that I don't think had anything to do with my race, though. I, don't, I guess I don't know for sure, but I was never harassed. Uh, this idea that you could probably prove you or at least signal you weren't racist by really good tips. Did they just right. assume their clientele was was not they were not good enough people to do so? They I mean, they they just assume they they that tipping is racist, anti-worker and promotes inequality and everything else, all the other buzzwords. And so they were abolishing it, um, <laughs> even though when I was a waiter, I, you know, I, I knew that I was an, I was an OK waiter. So I knew there were better waiters who got better tips. There were worse waiters who got worse tips. There were really pretty waiters probably got better tips than I did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of those things you understand and you just kind of deal with it. Well, first of all, but, I find uh, you very pretty, Brian. Please don't put yourself down uh, like that. Thank you. And isn't this a good <laughs> a good use of inequality? Like. That's you're getting paid for doing a good job. Like if I tried a lot right. harder as a waiter, I probably would have had better tips. 
Exactly. I mean, that's what you would think, but there's not a lot of logic going on here. <laughs> and so as I, as I continue to read this email and get more disenchanted and, and start realizing I probably wasn't going to see my investment come back ever, uh, I went to their Instagram page because I thought, okay, well, what are they doing on Instagram? And what they're doing on Instagram is exactly what I was worried about. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think one of the first things that stuck out to me was uh, it's a wine bar, mind you. And the post was a, a wine is about co colonialism. And, 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 and it was just, and it just got worse from there. Why would you open a wine bar? We have the post here. It says the wine world is an ecosystem built off of colonialism. Uh, missionary yes. works was, was, and is a colonial structure. Those structures are still here. These structures mu uh, must not only be acknowledged, but integrated into how we discuss wine culture. But <laughs> I can't, you're taking your drink a little too seriously for my day. <laughs> It's, I just want to enjoy my Pinot, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and I got this, <laughs> and uh, you know, every single post from May onward was pretty much that kind of theme. And you, when I saw a picture of a pretty glass of wine, I got excited. I was like, okay, they're back to wine. But then when you read the text next to the post, it says, "How can you enjoy wine at a time like this?" I don't know. You're a wine bar. Maybe you figure it out. <laughs> it's your entire business. And wine makes all yeah. sorts of things that aren't typically enjoyable into enjoyable things. That's the point of right. wine, right? Um, right. I, you know, it's funny because uh, as uh, America's only conservative vegetarian, I follow a bunch of these weird like vegetarian restaurants. And it's right. the same thing right now. They always were woke. They were always like, you know, telling me to vote for Angela Davis for president. But they, what they what they never did before the last year or so is are, they're constantly blaming themselves for this. Like they're they've taken right. this like uh, this view of, you know, they, they there's this thing that going around legitimately that veganism is white supremacist. And these are vegans telling me that veganism is white supremacist. Like you're not even woke enough if you're a vegan anymore. I just don't even know how to process this anymore. I'm kind of, I'm at a loss. I guess, I mean, I used to be vegan. I was vegan for a while mm -hmm. back in the college days, but I got better. Yeah. Um, and I guess that means I'm not a white supremacist anymore. So good for me. Congratulations. You're probably tipping though. So you, now you're a white supremacist yeah. again. Um, I'm a dirty tipper, yeah. Yeah. And so this company that you've invested in has not only gotten rid of tipping because you'd think, well, now how are they going to earn any money, they've instituted what they're calling a universal wage. How, how does this work? Oh, oh, it doesn't, but they, <laughs> they don't know that yet. Yeah, okay. Uh, so yeah, that was the the, the end of the, the story, the piece de resistance uh, was, yes, we're gonna eliminate, uh, we're gonna have $25 hourly wages across the board for anybody in the restaurant, mm -hmm. front of house, back of house, Okay. Sure. $25 per person, which is insane, of course. Mm -hmm. But an unsustainable to any normal person. You know, I don't even think you have to be in the restaurant business to know this. Uh, and then the best part, you know, as a waiter, you know, if you're a waiter, you, you might be there might be three people on the floor, and then they, the manager would come up to you and say, "Stu, it's kind of slow tonight. You can go home." Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you'd say, most of the time you'd probably say, "Yes." Yes. I to, I can go <laughs> That's why I was fun. a bad waiter. Yes. <laughs> right. But this place was like, okay, we're going to keep everybody on staff for the hours that they were assigned. So. Uh, if you had two people on the floor and the restaurant's dead, they're still going to pay two people $25 an hour each for the entire night. <laughs> you have found the worst possible yeah. business to invest in in America, Brian. Are you proud of yourself? It, it started off pretty good, but uh, right now I 
ironically want to drink a bottle of wine. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's understandable. Um, well, first, first of all, you have to read the story. It's really, you know, as Brian always is, really, really funny. My investments, brilliant plan to virtual signal itself out of business. We'll tweet it out from at Stu Does America. And of course, Brian's a great follow as well on Twitter. Um, you're, you know, you, you, you've loved New York, right? I mean, this is a place you've always loved. It's going through yeah. an impossible time right now. There's been this sort of back and forth between, uh, and we've talked about it over the past week, James Altucher and now Jerry Seinfeld, who are in this battle as to whether the island is going to flip over and everyone's going to die. The, is New York City... capsize, like Hank Johnson said. <laughs> capsize, yes. <laughs> Just like that. Um, is it... Uh, what, do you, what side do you fall down on this? I mean, you've been there. You, you, you've, you've lived in New York. I, just, I don't know if you're still there. I think, I think you are, right? Um, is, this, is this the type of thing that, you know, is New York over? No. <laughs> my, uh, my moving day was September 11th, 2001. Mm. Oh, wow. So that was the day I picked to fly up to New York and, and close on the apartment. Wow. And, you know, I when don't think I knew I that. Jeez, that's no, incredible. I don't, I, you know, yeah, it was crazy. And uh, but I had a friend saying, forget it, pull out, walk away from this. Don't don't buy uh, real estate in New York. It's over. It's done. No one will ever work in a high rise again. I mean, the city is going to be irreparably damaged. And, you know, there was a gloom certainly for months. But in the end, it that gloom went away. Uh, you know, the the apartment has appreciated in value you know, three times over. Mm-hmm. And you know, I spent a year working on World Trade Center 4 on the, on the 40-something floor with really nice views. And, and nobody was sitting around me terrified that anything was going to happen. So I think, you know, this initial rush to, to just cancel every, I mean, to be upset about everything and, and just say, forget it, New York's over, we're done. Those are like the fair weather friends. That's like, New York's kind of like, like Jeffrey Epstein. Like when you're you know, high and mighty, everybody <laughs> wants to be around you. And then when things go south, they all take off and pretend they weren't on your plane many times. <laughs> Brian, this is not a commercial for New York. New York is like Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's bad. You, you, you may want to yeah, rework that slogan a, a little we're gonna bit. Tweak that. <laughs> we're going to tweak that. Your apartment now no longer is worth three times what you paid for it. <laughs> it's right. I just, went, I just got the memo. I just got, uh, what is it, Willow, Zillow? Yeah. They just emailed me. There you go. <laughs> well, Brian Sack, uh, it's great to see you, my man. And it's, uh, you know. Yeah, good to see you. Yeah, you know, I would uh, love to have you back on. I mean, it's, this is a great, it's a really, really funny telling of the story. And uh, I, I feel like a lot of people are going to get in the middle of this. There's going to be a lot of businesses that are doing this to themselves right now. And it's, it's, it's yeah. unbelievable. Um, make sure to check out the it's podcast. It's the worst possible time. Yeah, it is. It for is for a restaurant to do this. It worst is possible. Time. Worst possible time. What's it doing to these employees? Too, I can't even imagine. Uh, I hope Jack is doing well uh, as well. He's a great guy. Really, really funny. These guys are really funny together. You got to listen to the podcast. Questionable material with Jack and Brian. Make sure to subscribe right now. Brian Sack, thanks for coming on the program. Thank you, Stu. All right, back See in a second. You later. <laughs> Everybody knows that there's a little setup here with the Democratic ticket. You have Joe Biden, who's obviously incompetent at this point uh, in his career. Uh, But you have the competent one behind the scenes, right? It's going to be Kamala. Kamala, Kamala Namala, is going to be there for us. She's going to protect uh, the, the White House and our country against all these threats. She's on top of her game, unlike Joe Biden, right? That's kind of the pitch that we're getting as voters. Uh, Well, Kamala fell for a scam from the Russians, which is just how classic 
is this. Uh, she got a call from these pranksters who've done this to a bunch of people. Uh, they, uh, and uh, it was the two pranksters pretending to be uh, Svante. Now, most people in the world will be, who the hell is Svante? Only people who listen to this show or watch this show would know who Svante is. Episode number two of this show, Greta Thunberg's parents. Svante is the dad, and he's a very interesting individual. Greta Thunberg, the climate activist uh, teenager, uh, called and said uh, to uh, Kamala's people, hey, I want to talk to Kamala. She got through, which is unbelievable. Here's some of the conversation is uh, transcribed. Uh, Hello, Greta. Congratulations on all of your leadership. I am so inspired by your courage and your voice, Harris said to the fake Greta. Um, Greta then um, asked Harris how she could support Kamala's campaign. She allegedly replied. I don't think we're to this part yet. She allegedly replied, the best way to do it would be to talk about my climate plan. On the phone call, the fake uh, Thunberg said uh, that Trump said into her ear, um, you will never achieve your goal. So basically said you're never going to fix the climate. He, he's a terrible human being. Um, she basically said, hey, I've got a tape of this, of Trump doing these terrible things. So here, let's pick it up here with Tim Pool's tweet. This is Tim Pool, who, by the way, announced today he's going to be voting for Trump, which is kind of a big deal. I mean, Tim Pool is uh, you know, not known as a conservative, uh, but thinks he aligns with Trump on enough issues. Um, the t- uh, Tim Pool uh, posts a part of the transcript, and he asks an interesting question. He says, assuming this recording is legit, it sounds like Kamala Harris agreed to accept dirt on Trump from foreigners. Listen to this. Svante, the dad, says, Greta has a recorder always with her, and when it happened... And, she, and Greta says, in my pocket. Yes, it was on Greta's recorder. If, we, if you would like to get it, we can provide it. This is a recording of Trump saying you will never get, achieve your goal on the climate. Um, Kamala says, thank you. That would be wonderful, Greta. In my side, I can testify against this terrible man, Kamala. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much. Svante says, thank you so much. Then Kamala says, I'm sorry, I have to hang up now. But we will uh, look for I look forward to working with you. Now, Tim uh, points out correctly, it does sound like she's accepting dirt. This sounds like the, the Trump Tower meeting that the left was so upset about. A random offer of, you know, a little dirt, a little a tape or something to help your campaign. And she is not shooting it down by any means. She seems she says again, yes, definitely. Thank you so much. And thank you. That would be wonderful. Uh, to these offers. And, you know, as Tim points out, it's accepting dirt from foreigners. Technically, it's accepting dirt from Russians because they're Russian pranksters. So I don't know. Will this get to Kamala in trouble? Part of me doubts it, shockingly enough. Uh, We also have uh, the odd story of Kellyanne Conway today. Kellyanne Conway and George Conway. We talked about the story before. It's to me pretty fascinating in that, like, you have someone who's working for the president and and, uh, her husband who is one of the lead uh, opposition uh, guys uh, for the president. They both tweet all the time, one in support, one in furious opposition. They have both leaked to the press negative things about the other. It's supposed to be a marriage, uh, you know, to the point of Kellyanne Conway has been caught at least twice saying, hey, uh, George Conway's a, basically, you know, I don't remember the exact quotes. But like George Conway's a bad guy. He's out of control. Uh, just source that to someone close to the White House. And the reporter's like, well, we're on the record. I'm going to source it to you. That didn't work out well. Anyway, they had this big blow up and somehow they stayed together this whole time. Well, now there's a new element where the daughter, a 15 year old, has gone on Instagram, gone on, uh, you know, all these social networks and said, I want to be emancipated. I can't believe my parents are conservative just because my dad doesn't like Trump doesn't mean he's a good guy. These are terrible people. Look at what all these terrible things are doing. And I want to be adopted by AOC. 
which is obviously a, a rough, a rough situation for someone who's you know 15 years old. Uh, you know, I don't. Mean, not pretty. Not a pretty situation. They're both going to leave their jobs. Uh, he, uh, him from the Lincoln Project, uh, which is an anti-Trump organization, um, and then uh, Kellyanne from the White House to try to focus on their family. We obviously wish them uh, the best. And uh, finally, in Washington today, uh, the, this whole post office thing continues to go on. It is the biggest bunch of nonsense. It is not a story. Nothing is happening. It's just another way for the media to try to get you excited about something. And I swear this is happening on purpose at this point. DeJoy is the guy who is running the place. Do we have the picture of him? This is uh, what his, uh, <laughs> instead of the Honorable DeJoy, it is, uh, it's misspelled. Honor Bail. Like I'm not going to put Honorable in front of him. Could have just been a mistake, I suppose. But you know what? I don't think so. Uh, it's yet another fraud, just like the mail. They're trying to screw with our stamps, America, and we can't let them. That's your fake controversy of the week to care about. Next week, we'll care about something totally different. Back in a second. What a big show today. Previously, we talked to Blaze TV legend Brian Sack, and now the opposite of that, no Blaze TV's own Jeff Fisher, uh, <laughs> the host of Chewing the Fat. Uh, <laughs> Jeffy, thanks for coming on the program, man. Absolutely. It's good to see you out, out, and, out and about. Out and about. Happy to be here. You know, I just I walked outside today and I thought, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> I just wow. showed up here. I know. I, why did you stop here, though? I mean, well, keep going from here, too, just so you know. Um, we talked about Jamel Hill earlier. Yeah, it's her day. It is her I, day. I'm told. Apparently. You're on uh, Stu. Does America. America. Yeah, it does America. Yeah. Uh, she uh, had this amazing tweet about how America is basically a Nazi country. Um, we yeah. are as bad as Nazi Germany. And it's all based on this book. Cast. Yes. Which I don't know if... Jamel has, uh, you know, slow reader or, you know, I would believe that or maybe just come on board. Mm -hmm. But about three weeks ago, that's when the Oprah story broke about her complaining about how white people were racist and how she was all for this book cast. Right. I mean, she part made that yeah, part of her Oprah book club on CBS morning show with, uh, you know, her girl, Gail. Yeah. I, I, I remember seeing some of these clips. I didn't realize it was tied to this. Let's let's watch this, the clip from the CBS show. We are still here in the Santa Barbara Bureau <laughs> and the Oprah, who owns the Santa Barbara Bureau, where we've been for the last <laughs> month. Call me Bureau <laughs> Chief. That's good, Oprah. That's good. I know you're excited about all your books, <laughs> but this one is different because you're doing something that you've never, ever done before. First of okay, all, go ahead. this is the 86th uh, Oprah's Book Club selection, but this is the most <laughs> important yeah. book, yeah. the mm, most, most essential yeah. most book, essential. the most wow. important with a capital I, yeah, the most necessary yeah. for all humans humanity book Agreed. that I have ever chosen, and the book is called Cast mm. by, by Isabel Wilkerson. Not just Isabel Wilkerson, but Pulitzer Prize oh. Isabel Uh-oh. Wilkerson. Hello, Isabel Wilkerson! Oh, there she is! Oh, there she oh, is. nice. That's a nice so, moment. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Mm. So, around about the same time is when she did her Apple Plus show, and forgive me, I've 
forget the title of, I know it's Harpo Productions and it's Apple Plus, but the, there's a title for the Whatever show is, that's, right? that's mm-hmm. great and yeah. she does a great job at it because mm-hmm. she's Oprah. That's when she told everyone that white people were bad. Wait. Yeah, I remember Wait. this one. Especially because most, a, lot, a big chunk of her fortune came from white people really yeah, enjoying incredible. her programming. A lot of billions of dollars. Here's from, this is from her Apple TV show. White people... There are white people who are not as powerful as the system of white people, the caste system that's been put in place. But they still, no matter where they are on the rung or the ladder of success, they still have their whiteness. Mm. Yeah, yeah, on the rung of whiteness. Right. The ladder of success. So you're still white. There's no chance of beating this, right? The way they have these rules set up, you could be the poorest white person that has been star- trampled upon their entire life, yet you're still white. And to them, not to us, but to them, meaning Oprah and the left, that still makes you, I guess, superior. It feels like they are arguing for white superiority here. For some oh, yeah. Uh, in- I mean, that institutional racism, uh, even because even if you don't know it. <laughs> right. Even yeah. if you don't know it, mm-hmm. that makes it even more racist because you don't know it and it's there. It's just amazing. It, and if you don't bow down to the the mob of, uh, yep, I'm. You're right. Mm-hmm. I'm white. I hate me. <laughs> I hate all white people. That's only good enough for a short period of time. And then you've got to continue on down that road. I mean, it's not going to be good forever. Yeah, because well, that's one of the things. I mean, we've been doing shows together for a million years now. And I feel like there's always been this split, you know, on these issues. They're always, sure. They've always been controversial. It's very recent, though, that this changed from they were essentially accusing conservatives of not treating black people fairly or not liking them because of the color of their skin. And that's changed now to whether you treat them fairly or not, or whether you treat others uh, the right way, or whether you're judging them by their color of skin or not, you're still a racist. That's It's a game you can't win. It's impossible. institutional racism. It's there. Like I said, even if you don't know it's there, I'm not quite sure I I get that. And I will say, you know, uh, knowing you for a long time, (laughs) privilege is not the word I would use. Oh, my gosh. Describe Jeff Fisher. As much of a slam as that is, you're right. I was fascinated by, uh, well, today's show was fun because we got to go look back kind of the, the, the history of Blaze TV, Brian Sack being on the program. And he had some investment advice. <laughs> I don't know if it was investment advice. It was the, all, the opposite of investment advice. When you, in, when you uh, invest in a company, you should try to make sure that they actually are a capitalist so they're trying to earn money on your investment. I mean, that's the point of investing, isn't <laughs> that's it? I thought. I mean, it's supposed uh, to be, right? I mean, we've t- I, mean I, I am not an investment broker. No, really? Uh, you I, know, I do believe in you know, buying things low and selling it high. <laughs> yes, That's you do. A, I do believe in that. Mm-hmm. So I guess well, that makes me a capitalist. You have a lot of uh, investment ideas uh, that you've I run, do. and you have a new one now. <laughs> this one seems to be based on the TSA. Can you explain? Well, okay. The TSA reported that uh, last year they found over $900,000 just in cash, in cash, uh-huh. and, you know, green and coins. I mean, maybe that's why we have a coin shortage. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But and they also found uh, foreign exchange money as well. But nine, over $900,000 of American currency it's a lot. just in the lost and found. 
That's a lot. How does that happen exactly? I, I, they so, say. I mean, coins would make sense, right? You're, you're, you got the little it's tray. In your pockets. Okay. You're throwing it out. It gets, sure. You know, okay. But $900,000? I mean, is it just. That seems like an awful lot of money. So I was thinking that the next time you got to go through the TSA, you can't just call them and say, hey, I, I lost $10,000. Where's my money? Right. You got to have some documentation that you actually were at the airport and, you know, you went through mm-hmm. it. And, and, but once you go through it, Make sure you're emptying your pockets, even if you got nothing in them. Don't just pat them. You want that documented on film that you went through your pockets, mm-hmm. you go through the scanner, and then just pick up you know, your shoes out of the plastic tub and walk away. So that when you call back, you know, because you are going to call back, mm-hmm. and say, man, I just picked up my shoes and I forgot that wrap of $10,000 I had in my plastic container. Hey, hey. <laughs> if you're checking your pockets, doesn't that indicate you didn't forget your $10,000? No, before, before you went through security. Oh, okay. Right, but after you went through security, I mean, that's where the money was. I put it in with my shoes and, well, you know, I forgot it. Man, ah. with the luck, darn the luck. And now if they say, well, no one turned in $10,000, then I think you need to check with your TSA agents. Right, because you know there's $900,000. And then Absolutely. you just do this, what, 90 straight days, and, <laughs> and you collect it in a big way. So bad. I don't know how you, I don't know how you, I mean, that's a lot of money. This is really how you live your life, though. Because, like, you've, you've brought up this, this, and I don't want to call it a scam, because that's Thank you, because it's not a scam. But this idea of following around uh, armored cars. <laughs> well, for people who have listened to Chewing the Fat, yeah. know that I've told you how to beat that battle because people have found money and the police always say, oh, we've got pictures and you need to turn it in and you can't keep that money. I've always said, no problem, get as much as you can. Right, so you're saying like, this is like a, an armored car that what flips over or something? Flips over and money falls out. <laughs> all right, so you got money everywhere. That happens, I mean, it's happened uh, numerous times around the country. I'm sure it has. It just feels like a low prior, like a low possibility, low probability oh, event. Oh, That may be, okay. but that doesn't stop me from trying to psychically will the armored truck for, to tip over. <laughs> okay. When so, I'm, if I see so, one, I'm, I'm driving behind it. So if you've successfully willed the armored truck to flip over and there's money all over the ground, what do you do? Get as much as you can. Okay. <laughs> and as soon as you get as much as you can, you drive away and go to the police department and you turn in just, I mean, just a minute amount of what you picked up and say, Phew. You probably got me on film and, uh, you know, you're right. I shouldn't have done it. It was wrong. I got caught up in the moment. I just want to I want to turn in the money that I picked up and then you're done. You're good. You already covered yourself and you still got extra cash in the back of the car. This is <laughs> you're just going to leave it in the car. Well, I mean, you haven't gone home yet. You go right to the police department. You don't want to wait. If they too have long. you on film picking up a lot of money and then you turn in a little bit of money. Are they not going to put this I, together? You can't, you can't tell. It doesn't look you can't tell. that. <laughs> <laughs> Just hope you're a little bit out of frame yeah, when fine. you're picking it up. All right. It's a good idea. <laughs> I, I like it. Um, I actually thought of you the other day because this is your life. This is what you do. You, you live in these little darker circles. So I watched a documentary this weekend and I was like, I got to tell Jeffy about okay. this documentary. So it's, it's a story. You may have remembered the story. It's from 2004. I didn't remember the story, but it did make some news at the time. So it's a guy. It's a story about uh, it's, a, it's a movie. Uh, it's called Tread. Okay, it's a tread. It's a movie about um, a guy who is a welder and he moves into into this small Colorado town and he uh, he has a welding. He buys this property and he starts to put his welding business on it. And the city starts giving him hassles about how he's not connected to the sewage lines or something in the city. So he but it would cost like eighty thousand dollars 
to connect it to these sewage lines, right? It's a lot of money. And I think he bought the place for like 40000 It was like super cheap property. Yeah, because he didn't have a sewer line. Right, didn't have a sewer line. Why would, you, why would you buy it? So in his telling, basically, and they have him on audio cassette talking about this, in his telling, basically, he uh, uh, w- was getting screwed over by the city. You know, they kept giving him all these fake rulings and these, like, fines. And I hate municipalities right. like that. Right. <laughs> totally. This is totally a ge- This is happening to you, I feel like. So he then gets into a dispute with, like, one of his neighbors, and he feels like they're in a fight. He has all these stories about how everyone's in this town is doing them wrong, right? Wow. So he eventually decides... Uh, in his little, the, the one piece of the property he had left, he has like a garage and he had this big bulldozer and he decides as a master welder to, to weld these steel plates all onto the bulldozer and make it basically into a tank. So he made like concrete and steel on the outside of this thing, makes it into, do you do, story. into a bulldozer one day, middle of the day just pulls the thing out of his garage and just starts running over buildings yeah, all over town. The city. Knocking into the ground. I do remember the story, yeah. Town hall, his, his, the guy he was in a fight with, all the businesses he didn't like, all the people he didn't like. I'd forgotten what caused him to do it, but yeah. I do remember the story, yeah. I didn't remember it at all. They've got footage of it. They've got recordings of this guy discussing yeah. why he's doing it. That's awesome. It's insane. I mean, and, terrible. And it's... <laughs> Totally reminds me of like something you one day will just snap and do. I mean, that's the I, I mentioned it. I mentioned it to, earlier today yeah. uh, on, uh, with uh, the Russell Crowe movie, the new movie Unhinged. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that is uh, the the 2020 version of Falling Down. Falling Down, yes. Uh, same There's thing, a genre right? Guy, here. Yeah. Yes, this is a real life version yeah. of that genre. Now, like it's been used for all sorts of crazy things. Conspiracy theorists now like kind of love this guy because he took it to the man or whatever. All I know is it's a crazy freaking story. The guy was bizarre. Uh, and it's well done. It's on Amazon. I think I think you can buy it buy it for like five bucks or rent it for two bucks. Yeah, it's something. not going to happen. But um, I'll, I'll find a way. You'll to. find a way to steal it. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> Blaze TV's Jeffy Fisher. The, oh, by the way, that is called Tread. It's on Amazon. Uh, it's also uh, another thing you should check out. is called Chewing the Fat. It's a podcast right here on Blaze uh, TV. Oh, it's part of Blaze. Uh, it's part of the Blaze Podcast Network, yeah. Blaze Television Network. You know, if you're a subscriber to Blaze TV, yeah, it helps the people that listen to my podcast for free. What more do you want to do? There you go. I mean, obviously, you want to help this guy. That's, uh, there's no question about that. <laughs> Don't miss a minute of Jeffy or myself. Uh, go uh, to blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. They'll probably assume you don't like this other sh- stupid show. So it's, it's, it works double uh, for you there. Uh, you also save 10 bucks. So check it out, blazetv.com slash stew. Jeffy, thanks for coming in, man. All right, we'll see you in a minute. We'd like to read your iTunes reviews to try to bribe you to do more of them. Uh, this one comes in from Big Dave Dragon. What a stupid show. Five freaking stars. Whatever. Watch this stupid show. Don't forget the codes, do. That way they know you like this stupid show. By the way, Cuomo is awful. Lost in Iowa. Conservanerds. Thank you very much. Five freaking stars. Look at love, says all of them. Can't go a day without listening. Truly uplifting at a time when we need help finding a reason to smile. Five freaking stars. Uh, Gavin Newsom is no longer my king. You're a huge reason that Mr. Beck is in the Radio Hall of Fame. But yeah, whatever. Five freaking stars and the appropriate number of stars. Honestly, five freaking stars is the correct number of stars for this awesome show. Thank you so much for doing that. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, Well, you always like to read these at the end of the show, so do it too. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. Get your uh, merch at stewdoesmerch.com. We will see you tomorrow.